Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. There is a great deal of hatred for Israel and the Jewish people. Now, that's been the case for centuries, but it is increasing in our days. And it's so sad that people who profess to be followers of Israel's Messiah, and I'm speaking about Yeshua, Jesus Christ, it is so sad that many of these people also have hatred for Israel and the Jewish people. And this simply shows that they do not understand the scripture. They do not understand the nature of God. They do not perceive what God is communicating to the world with his faithfulness to Israel. Now, let's put a few things in place. First of all, God is not a respecter of people, meaning this. God does not have favorites. The grace, the mercy, the redemption, all these good things that God is going to offer to Israel and Israel is going to receive. And when I say Israel, I'm speaking about a remnant of the Jewish people. We know biblically in the last days, there's going to be one third that responds, one third that receives salvation. And that salvation does not come through a different means. There's only one message of salvation. It's the gospel. It focuses in on the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua. And a remnant of Israel, they are going to look upon their Redeemer, their Savior, their Defender, when he comes the second time in order to bring judgment upon their enemies and to save them. And they are going to look upon the one who has been pierced. They're going to recognize him and they're going to accept him in much the same way that Thomas, one of the disciples, also received Yeshua. That one who said, unless I can put my hands into the holes and see for myself, then only will I believe. And that remnant is going to have that same type of, of experience, beholding the crucified but resurrected Savior. Praise God for Israel's salvation, because that must happen in order for the kingdom of God to be established. So if you are interested in wanting God's kingdom, then you're going to be praying for this, this change, this spiritual change that will come to Israel. I want to share with you an example, kind of a silly illustration, but hopefully it might assist you in understanding 
what the Bible is revealing, what the Bible teaches. Now, many years ago, I was a student at a university, and in one of the courses I took, the professor, her daughter was also in that same course. And at the end of the course, the professor said, I have good news for all of you. Now, the good news was this. Her daughter missed an A, that that top mark, that best grade, by, by about six percentage points. She received an 84. And she said, because I want my daughter to do well, I want her to have a good grade. I am giving her the A. But here's the good news. Everyone else that received an 84 or above also received an A. And those of us who were a C student, we ended up getting a B. And some of the students that actually failed the course, they were given a passing grade. In other words, because she was in that course, we all benefited. Everyone either got an A or a higher grade that they deserved. Now, all of us were thankful that she was a student in this course because it benefited us. And in the same way, God, he is going to always be just and fair, not a respecter of persons, but God is going to show forth mercy, favor, grace, forgiveness, and save Israel. And because of that, that same means of salvation, that same message of salvation is proclaimed to all the people, all the nations, all the groups of humanity throughout the world. You say, well, where's that taught in the Bible? One place is Matthew 24, verse 14, where Messiah is teaching, he says, that before the end comes, this gospel of the kingdom must be proclaimed throughout all the world to all nations as a testimony unto them. So God, his love for Israel is is a key. It is foundational in God-loving all people, and affording to all people that same message, that same gospel, that proclamation of forgiveness, of salvation through his son, Messiah Yeshua. So I don't know why so many people, when we speak about this plan, when we teach prophecy, that God is going to work in the last days as he is and bringing the people back to the land and more and more are coming to salvation. Why would someone say, well, there's none of of God's people in the land of Israel, implying that no Jewish people in Israel are believers? That number is growing greatly each and every day. New congregations of believers, of Israeli believers, are, are, are springing up in different places every day in Israel. 
God is at work here. And all of this should be an encouragement. When, when Israel's spiritual condition changed, get ready. The kingdom is soon to be established. All of this is good news. But nevertheless, the amount of hatred for Israel and the Jewish people is increasing today among many who say that they're part of the church. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 43. We began last week this chapter, and through the teaching we saw that God's not finished with Israel. He's going to do something wonderful. And we received so many emails and and comments about how people don't want this, don't believe that, believe such a teaching is false. Well, despite these individuals' error, we're going to continue in the second half of this chapter and see clearly what God is saying. So take out your Bible, open up to that location, Isaiah 43, and we're going to begin where we left off in verse 16. Isaiah 43 and verse 16, we read, Thus said the Lord. Now, someone said, are you going to tell us each and every time that that's in the passive, the significance of it? Well, I I may not, but I'm going to do it again at this time. Because I want us to see that the Bible gives us clues that most translations ignore. When the past is used in this type of, of condition, thus said the Lord, not says, but said the Lord, the past tense tells us that this is a promise. Even though it's yet to happen, God's just saying that now it speaks about a promise that will most certainly be fulfilled. From God's standpoint, it's already been done. That's how assured we can be of what God's revealing to us in this passage. So once more, verse 16, thus said the Lord, the one who sits in the sea a way and in strong waters a path. Now, what this is speaking about is that God is going to do something for his people. He is going to bring them out of exile. You can be assured one of the important messages of prophecy is that God in the last days is going to bring the people out of exile, meaning he's going to return the people to the land. Now, water is mentioned here for for two reasons. First, because crossing over water was seen as difficult. And in the same way that God at the Red Sea made a way for the people, for them to come out of Egypt in what's known as the first redemption, God's going to do something similar, meaning he's going to act mightily in the last days to bring the people out of exile and back to the land. So he says, behold, I'm doing something. What's he going to do? I am setting in the sea a way and in strong waters a pathway. Verse 17. 
In verse 17, most commentators see this as a reference to just what I mentioned, the exodus from Egypt, because of this concept of, of the chariot and the horse, thinking about the language in Exodus 15. But it says here in verse 17, speaking about God, the one who brought forth the, the chariot and horse, and then it says in army and power all together. So it speaks about how Pharaoh came out with his chariots, with his horses, this vast army with great power. They all came out together. And what happened? Well, it says here, and they were, were made to lay down and not to rise up. And then we have a word for, for being like a, a wick of a, a candle, how it goes out and it is extinguished. It's not going to light up again. So God is reminding us of what he has done in the past, how he has delivered Israel from a strong enemy. Verse 18. He says, you know, don't remember these former things. These earlier things, don't pay attention. Now, the reason for that is, even though he has just given us a perspective, a context for understanding what he's going to do, what he will do is going to be more magnificent. And this is why he says in verse, verse 19, behold, he says, remember, don't remember the former things. Don't pay attention to the earlier things. Why? Verse 19, behold, I am doing that which is new, something new. Now, the construction of this verb, say, for I am doing or making something new, it demands our attention. Because the construction tells us that this is in the emphatic. God is emphasizing that he's going to do something new. Look at it again. Behold, I am doing new, that which is new. And now, and the next word again. When you study in the original language, vocabulary, certain words repeat themselves. And words are used and underscored, for example, in the book of Zechariah, there's a great prophecy of the branch, Tzemach. Tzemach refers to Messiah who's going to spring forth when the people thought that promise that God made to David, the house of Jesse, Yeshai in Hebrew. Remember that, that trump of Jesse, that stump is going to to Verse 4, there's going to be a twig, and it foreshadows Messiah. Well, here in this verse, we see that same word being used. God's going to do something new. He says, now you will sprout forth. Surely you will know it, meaning you're going to experience it. This word for know is an experiential word. There's two, la'kir ve'ladat. Lakir is to know something through the mind. 
Ladat is to know something, not just through the mind, but through experiencing it, becoming familiar with it. So he says, you will know it surely. Even I will place in the desert a way and in the, the wasteland rivers. So again, another reference to water. And once more, water is seen here as a blessing. In the midst of desert and the wasteland, God is going to create a pathway. He is going to give forth water. And water is a blessing in this context, that which satisfies, that which which means, gives the, the means for for life. Verse, verse 20. The beasts of the field will honor me. The jackal and the, the ostrich. Now, he says something. He's going to bring salvation to Israel. He is going to do a new work. And most scholars understand that he's speaking about the gospel. He speaks in the book of Revelation about a new song. It's a praise, a worship that only can be done in spirit and in truth because of a gospel receiving. One accepts the gospel, they can worship God in a new way. So he's doing this new thing, and he says because of this, the, the beasts of the field will honor me. The jackal and the ostrich, two unclean animals. Significant. These unclean animals, they are going to recognize God. It says here, for I will give in the wilderness, the desert, I will place in the wilderness water. And he says, rivers in the wasteland. Now, why is he doing that? It says, to give drink to my people, my chosen people. So the animals, the beasts of the field, the jackal and the ostrich that live in the desert, they are benefiting from what God is going to do to his chosen people. Now, here's the, the message here. The jackal and the, the ostrich, not part of, of Israel. We're talking about the Gentiles. But they are going to give thanks. They are going to recognize the beasts of the field. They're going to honor God. Why? Because they're going to benefit from what God's going to do for his people. And in the end, those, those jackals and ostriches, they are going to reap the benefits and be in that same condition, be in that kingdom experience, this change that's coming to this world where the wastelands are going to become an oasis. That's what God is speaking here. But notice he says, Ami bechiri, my chosen people. Verse 21. He says, this people I have formed for me. It's literally what it says. Amzu Yatsarti Li. Amzu, this people, Yatsarti, I have formed Li for me. 
and my praise they will tell. They will speak of. God is making a promise that he has made Israel to be a praise to him. And God is going to see that fulfilled. Here again, a remnant, but nevertheless, what God does to bring this about is going to be a blessing for others as well. They're going to reap the benefits of God's faithfulness to Israel. Verse 22, the problem is Israel's going to be slow to recognize this new work. This gospel message, verse 22. Not me you have called. Meaning Israel, despite what God has done, and bring them out of Babylon, doing his faithfulness to them in the past. Nevertheless, he says, you, referring to Israel, you have not called on me, Jacob, for you have exhausted me, O Israel. Now, what it's speaking about, and here again, it's poetic language. God doesn't get tired. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. But God is going to use this same type of vocabulary a few times in order to help us understand his message. So God is saying, I've done this new work. He has. Messiah's come the first time. The gospel is in force. It's in available today. But nevertheless, Jacob has not called upon the name of the Lord. Israel has, has wearied God with their, their, by and large, reluctance, refusal to accept this new work of the gospel. Verse 23, he says, well, if you're staying the old way, he says, you have not brought to me a lamb of, of the burnt offerings, and, and you have not honored me with your sacrifices. So he's saying, here's the problem. If you're rejecting the new, you haven't shown this great commitment to the old. You're not bringing to me all of these sacrifices and offerings. You're not honoring me. He says, have I wearied you? Have I burdened you so much with, with these uh, uh, sacrifices? He says, have I I've exhausted you with these, these fragrant offerings of the, the frankincense? So he's saying, when you look at the temple practices, sacrifice, offerings, and these, these fragrant spices that are offered up to God, is Israel doing that? No, no temple, but no concern about it. No, no, no wanting there to be a restoration. They are fine with the status quo. And God is saying, it shows, it manifests that you're not really seeking me, that, that you have not appreciated what I have done in bringing you back to the land. Now, none of this is a surprise to God. Verse 24, he says, you have not bought for me with, with silver this sweet cane, 
or the fat of your sacrifices, you have not uh, uh, saturated me, meaning you have not given me an abundance of these, these offerings that uh, the Torah demands. But, he says, when it comes to wearing me out and exhausting me, he says, you've done that. You have wearied me, burdened me with your sins, and you have exhausted me with your, your iniquities. So what we find here is that Israel is not responding to the new way, and they're not committed to the old way. What are they committed to? Sin and iniquity. But learn something. That tendency just doesn't describe Israel. It describes humanity. What God wants the nations to do is to see themselves in Israel. They're no better. They're no worse. They are all sinful. Each of us, Jewish individual, non-Jewish individual, we all are sinful. We all have iniquities. We are not sensitive to the things of God, but yet God's faithful. And because of his faithfulness to Israel, the nations can also benefit from that. This is his plan. Now look at verse 25. He says, Anochi, Anochi, who? I, I am he. Now, this is where we see a clear reference to the gospel message because he says, I, and some Bibles will insert even I to emphasize this, am he. The one who erases your transgressions, why? On account of myself. God's forgiveness is because of who he is. So God is going to be merciful. He is going to bring about, about salvation for that remnant of Israel, for his namesake, because of his character, because of who he is. And this is a message to all people, all nations, all countries, all ethnic groups, all humanity, that God is merciful. He's forgiving. Take advantage of this. The same way he's willing to wipe away, blot out the transgressions of Israel, he's willing to do that for all people. So he says, I, I am he the one who blots out the transgressions on account of myself. And your sins I will not remember. Now, that is the same phrase we see at the end of the new covenant, what's mentioned in Jeremiah 31, where God says boldly, and it should be to the joy of our souls, that he will not remember our sin. What a wonderful thing. But that covenant, although it is extended to the Gentiles, it's in its original form, it's made to the house of Judah and to the house of Israel. But all people can benefit because God is going to, just like that professor, what I do for my son, or in this case, my daughter, I have to do for all students. Messiah is saying, in this scripture, as my father has done with me, so 
am I going to do with all people? So he says, and your sins I will not remember. Verse 26. He says, make mention of me. Remember me. Let us be judged. Meaning this. Let's let's go and consider your spiritual condition. Let's make mention of this together. You you tell, you proclaim on account of your your justification, why you're righteous. You tell me why. And the message is this. If we really go and say to God, God, I should be in your kingdom because of, well, what, what, what can I say? Because of my good deeds? Nope. My good deeds aren't enough. Because I'm a nice guy? No, no one's that nice. We have nothing. What God is saying, let's reason this together. Let's, let's go before the courts and argue this case. You tell me why you're righteous, that you should be justified and enter into the kingdom of God. And what's the answer? We have no basis for that. If we're going to get in, it's only because of who he is and what he has done in our behalf. He says, consider this, verse 27. Your father, your first father, was a sinner. And those who recommend you, now it's a word, malitz, malitz. Malitz is a one who recommends. Some will say mediators, but literally it's one who recommends you. The one who's recommending this is is one who has transgressed. They are the transgressors against me. And God says, this is what he's going to do. Now, verse verse 28 is an important verse because it tells us what Israel's current condition is. And this current condition just doesn't represent Israel. It represents most of the world's population that we're all Jew and Gentile defiant, Jew and Gentile set on our own ways, Jew and Gentile not really thinking about the spiritual, not thinking about the purposes of God, the plan of God. We're all caught up with ourselves because we are selfish, prideful people. And because of that, God says, I'm going to teach you. He says in verse 28, I will profane your holy, what it says, the holy leaders or officials. These are important people within Israel. And it's speaking about religious leaders. I will profane, I'm going to manifest that these people that you think are holy, they are profane. And he says, I will set as, cherem is a word for destruction, annihilation, Yaakov, and Israel for for blasphemies. Now, some I will say reproach, but it's literally the word giduf, gidufim here in the plural, abundant blasphemy. What he's saying is this. It is only when Israel recognizes their sinfulness that they are a profane people, 
It is only when Israel reached that level that we can expect that a change is coming. Now, most of the rabbinical commentators, they get it right in regard to this verse because they quote what is said in the Talmud, and that is this. It was only when Israel reached, and they use this terminology, 50 levels of impurity. Their teaching is if you get to the 50th level, your reproach, you are reprobate, there's no hope. The rabbis teach Israel fell to the 49th level. And it was at the last minute God brought about redemption. And what this scripture is saying here is that it's only when Israel realizes these ones that they look up to as holy men, these ones who who they think are, are the mediators between them and God, that these are all profane, full of sin and transgression. There's no hope. God has rejected them. And then they're going to have to look upon another. And when they're looking for someone else to depend upon, trust, believe in, as a meteor, as one who is a, a instrument of God, this is when the scripture tells us that they're going to look upon Messiah Yeshua. They're going to see that one who's been pierced. When they have no merit, nothing to say, this is what I have done. When they are without hope, God is going to save them. He is going to deliver them from a physical enemy. What enemy? All the nations of the world that went up to Israel for battle. He is going to deliver them from that physical enemy. And when they see who that is, they're going to turn to him in faithfulness. And that faith is going to deliver them from a greater enemy a spiritual enemy, and I'm speaking about sin, transgression, and iniquity, they are going to find spiritual redemption. This is what Isaiah is revealing. And once again, and we'll see this in the weeks to come, this is going to bring blessing to the world. It is going to offer up that same forgiveness, mercy, justification, redemption, he is going to offer that to all people. Why? Because of his faithfulness to Israel. This is what the word of God reveals. Well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank <laughs> you.